Hello and welcome to Pelvic Floor at its Core, the only podcast out there that is brought to you by a women's health technology company, Flight Therapy. I'm your host, Shravya Cavella, Pelvic Health Physical Therapist and Business Development Manager at Flight Therapy. Find us at www.flighttherapy.com for educational articles, videos, and our free Ask a PT program. You can learn more about how flight can improve pelvic floor muscle tone, strength, and stress urinary incontinence when used for five minutes per day for an average of six weeks if dealing with pelvic floor weakness. We have a unique approach at Flight. We believe our product Flight can provide life-changing outcomes, but we also know that no single treatment is right for everyone. We are therefore working hard to increase the collective knowledge out there about the importance of the pelvic floor. Because the more we work together, the more we can work towards increasing access to pelvic health care so all women can truly live their best lives. On this podcast, I bring on pelvic health experts to talk about a variety of topics that any and every woman and clinician can relate to and learn from. It's always informative always interesting, and we always have fun. So let's get into it. Hello again to my pelvic floor enthusiasts. This episode is actually a little bit different from what we normally cover, as we're not talking about a specific pelvic health condition, but we are talking about something that plays a huge role in access to pelvic health care, and that is women's health technology. Not just like what it is, but all the pretty crazy barriers that exist in curating women-focused products in a male industry. We have on a really cool guest today. Her name is Valerie Trent. Valerie's the founder of Lee London, a platform, resource, and a voice just bringing better and smarter products into the hands of smart women with style and spirit. Via extensive testing and vetting, they actually curate and develop items that enhance and simplify your life with good taste. Valerie discovered that the majority of products out there bought by women are designed and made by men, and she made it a mission to be a female voice in the tech consumer market. Valerie has spent years in the design industry, and she brings her knowledge and experience from that industry to align with her total rock star passion for representing females in the tech industry. I'm actually really excited for you all to listen to this conversation. It is a really fun one, and you're going to learn some interesting things in this one because I know that I did, and it's pretty wild, some of the things that we talk about and just when this whole movement started to take place. It's a lot more recent than you think. So here we go. Hey, Valerie, how are you? Hi, I'm well. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm very excited to have you. You are just going to bring like a wealth of knowledge, I feel like, (laughs) on women's health products and femtech, which I think is going to be so relevant to just the pelvic floor and pelvic health in general. So I'm really excited to have you on. Yes, I hope to certainly bring a different perspective. I have not a lot of healthcare background, but I have a lot of product design background. So there's definitely some synergy. 
Absolutely. So I want to just start with the fact that you are CEO of Lee London. So Mm -hmm. a company that I'm going to quote here from your website, provides Mm -hmm. smart products, merchandise, education, and humanization to close the relatability gap between big tech and women everywhere. Or to say it another way, you're basically this huge leader in women's health products. So I want to know a little bit like if you can just share your story as to what brought you to begin Lee London and then also define just femtech and like what women's health products mean. Absolutely. So my background is in design. I got an interior design degree. I practice in the commercial realm for many years. But when you're a designer, if you've heard the term design thinking, it's applied to a lot. It can be applied to logistics. It can be applied to management of a team of people can be applied to service, it can be applied to products. And about 10 years ago, I started realizing that my tech products weren't working for me, right? Mm. So earbuds were too big for my ears, cell phones were too big for my hands. And I'm not, I'm, I'm a pretty average size person. I'm, I'm five, four, and the, the Instapot was too high for me. It was awkwardly hard to get the lid off. Mm-hmm. And I, as a designer, realized, oh my gosh, a lot of our physical products aren't made for me, or, or frankly, a lot of my female friends. And I'm, did a lot of research and dug deeper and realized that a lot of products, healthcare being an extreme example, but a lot of our products are not made for us. They're actually made for kind of the quote unquote, like average person, but that average person is assumed to be an average size male. He has very different like functions, things, wants, needs than women. I also was frustrated with how tech is sold to us. So in healthcare, it's very specific and a little bit niche, but products at large, Best Buy, I didn't like that experience. I didn't like the experience of Amazon. It's, it was really transactional. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, I, I like my experience at Tory Burch. <laughs> right. I like my experience at name a fashion house, really, right? And they, right. they seem to understand me. And I thought, well, I really want to build more of a mass luxury experience from a female perspective. And that includes, of course, first and foremost, healthcare products. And then you asked about kind of femtech and coincidentally, really, this whole personal experience coincided with this wave of femtech product coming to market. And and we're maybe even a little bit early on a lot of these products coming to market. So femtech is technology that's really made for females or from females. And about 90% of it really has to do with our health, whether that's understanding our menstrual cycles, pregnancy, early parenting, menopause, general female health, um, sex tech, and everything in between. And luckily, there's a lot of physical products that, that are being invented by wonderful women today that I bring to market and really help introduce them to the market. That is very cool. And I just want to say, when you mentioned the Instant Pot thing, Mm -hmm. I felt like a light bulb went off. (laughs) I was like, that's true. That that does happen to me when I'm using the Instant Pot. (laughs) That's interesting that you said that 90% of female technology kind of coming out is around health. And sometimes I wonder if my perception is a little skewed just because I am in the public health world. So Mm -hmm. I wonder like, 
am I just seeing more of this just because I'm more tuned into it? Definitely, there have been more and more products that are supporting women coming out, and it's amazing. It's fascinating. Well, I mean, traditionally, historically, when it comes to at least kind of healthcare and, and product design and related to that, for millennia, healthcare for women was provided in, in somewhat of a grassroots efforts by women, right? Like midwives, mm-hmm. a lot of times women that understood women's health really well were kind of mischaracterized, maybe even called witches, right? <laughs> right. Like, and then somewhere in the late 19th century, and then of course the 20th century, our healthcare was really managed by men for the vast majority of the time. And so we just weren't prioritized, honestly. And just recently, I understand the FDA approved in 2010, that women of childbearing age can now be in drug tests, right? So they, we, if you can't be in drug tests and you're literally like a female that is of fertile age, how are they going to make proper drugs for you, right? Right. <laughs> and know? test them and make sure it's that they're safe and functional. Exactly. Like how, how are we anywhere? So it's empowering and inspiring to be among all these women today that are part of this femtech movement and are making technology and making products in healthcare and other avenues but but we're just getting to the point where we understand on like mass quantities of data and understanding that oh a lot of women need it whatever it is so from your perspective what are some of the biggest challenges to designing women-focused technologies or also just supporting this kind of new wave that you're talking about? Oh, that's a great question. I think one of the biggest challenges is oftentimes it's easy to grow comfortable with what has been given to you, right? And so if you're used to a certain kind of healthcare or certain products and, and it doesn't really solve whatever challenge you actually have, but you're you kind of just come to accept it, which women, we do that naturally <laughs> to anything, right? right. Um, I'm not going to speak up. And that happens a lot with all products, but especially with our healthcare, we don't tend to um, make a fuss, right? For lack of a better term, because we kind of have just accepted the status quo. And I'm here to say, and I think a lot of female um, inventors and female leadership in femtech are here to say like, no, we shouldn't accept the status quo. We are 51% of the adult population and we actually have 80% of the economic buying power in households. And that stat is very important. We, we also make, I'm going to get this statistic wrong, but I am throwing out a lot of statistics, so forgive me, but <laughs> I'd say there are 80 or 90% of healthcare decisions, right? Which makes mm-hmm. sense <laughs> for your kids, for yourself, for your partner, he or she, right? For your parents, we tend to be the ones that are making those healthcare decisions. The economic power, therefore, is with us. And so we shouldn't accept the status quo. We should get what really helps save us time, save us money, like truly adds value to our life. How how we met was through the Women's Wearables group that you and our lovely VP of Marketing, Carrie, are part of. And it's interesting to hear you th- say that because I know that we face a lot of those challenges just trying to bring in this new technology. People don't know that SUI or stress urinary incontinence is a problem. And that's really kind of going back to, I think, 
just in general, a lot of women have accepted that we have to live with these health problems that are disrupting our quality of life because that's what's considered normal. And that's what we've been told is normal for so yes. long. You know what I mean? Yes. It is. No, it totally is. And it's, it's also not only are we told that it's normal and like essentially don't speak up or don't make a fuss about it. That's standard, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's also somewhat taboo to talk about. And, and luckily, I think we are breaking barriers when it comes down to that. And we're opening up a little bit about our own journeys. But it's coming. And it's the right time. But for decades, women didn't speak to each other. And, and, and yeah. frankly, maybe we're even scared to talk to their own physicians and healthcare practitioners about this. I mean, just the number of stories that I've heard from women coming into my clinic and just really frustrated or upset and maybe not trusting of healthcare providers because of experiences that they've had, you know, and, and unfortunately, it's not that the healthcare provider was not a good provider, just mm -hmm. the sense of they just didn't have that training or kind of wrote it off because societally, like that's what we do, you know, mm -hmm. but you're so right. Mm -hmm. Things are changing. Okay. Next big question. So we've talked uh -huh. about, you know, there being challenges. How have we seen this improve? So you mentioned kind of this new wave of invention, but how uh -huh. are we seeing these developments come into play from the FDA approving, you know, the, the drug testing? What other developments are we seeing in the last decade that are really moving us forward? Oh, that's a big question. Um, and, a, and a great one. First of all, Femtech, it has amplified in the past decade, where there used to be, you know, I'm going to say a hundred women inventors. Now there's like a thousand, which means that many more minds. So that's great because we can communicate and learn from each other and get the word out faster and normalize this for all women. Also, I think it's, it's really, really critical that we understand the data. There's a lot of discussion in the startup world and culture at large about data and who owns your data, who should own your data. My personal belief, and I see a lot of products that are hard, tangible, manufacturable products, but are connected to an app on your phone. And they are reading data from you. That is one of the reasons why they have that app connected to your phone. And that data, in my opinion, from a healthcare standpoint, is so critical, especially right now, because they are learning not just your story, which is really important. You know, let's say it's about your cycle, but they're gathering data about your cycle and thousands, maybe tens of thousands of other women. And they can then measure that data and come up, of course, with hypothesis and all sorts. I mean, you're in healthcare, all sorts of solutions when it comes to, okay, we see patterns here with this mm -hmm. data, which really amplifies, you know, our experience and optimizes our healthcare, right, and, and development. But it also is the beginning of leading a legacy for the women and the girls that come behind us, right? And they're and, and allowing them to use our information to better their lives. And so I think that that is definitely one of the critical points as to like, why is now important? And, and what are ways that we can help the femtech movement and really advance healthcare for women? So this data that they're collecting, you mentioned like an app for tracking the menstrual cycle. So mm -hmm. finding these patterns in this data, mm -hmm. where does that go? Like, do they 
then take it to like do further studies on it? Yes. So it depends on the company. It depends on the app. But this is my personal opinion, having met hundreds of female founders, is that ethically and morally, the women that are starting these companies where there are apps and they're collecting data, it's to improve their service for the women they're providing the service for, but also to partner with a university or a research institution in order for them to understand the data as well and amplify. So it, it really depends on the company. It's a great question to ask when you have an app product to know how they're using your data and where they're using it. But on a strictly, I've met hundreds of these women and from a moral standpoint, their intentions are good and they're mm-hmm. not going to be selling your data to, to the big tech, uh, those who shall not be named, yeah. <laughs> um, simply for profit. I wanted to ask that because I think that a lot of times people think like, oh, this app is taking my data. Like that's scary. It you is. know, yeah. Um, which it absolutely is. But it's interesting, like hearing about, you know, these kind of women founders trying to push forward, push the envelope, you know, and what we can do with the data and what mm-hmm. a far way we've come from 2010. Right? 2010. 2010. Yeah. It was so recent. That's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. I could not believe. Like, I know you sent it to me earlier in an email and that mm-hmm. that kind of got me interested. And I was just talking about it with my husband the other day. And I think I said like, oh yeah, that must've been like in the late nineties or early two thousands, which still felt very recent to me. Uh So now that you're reminding me it's 2010, I'm like, oh my Uh gosh, but how cool that like, I mean, here we are, you know, 12 years later and there is just so much more innovation and opportunities. So much more Uh, innovation. I mean, mm -hmm. I have to give a shout out Flight therapy is phenomenal for pelvic health. Brilliantly Warm is another great company. If it's okay, I'm going to yeah. <laughs> talk about some of these examples. Please um, do. Like a couple of questions, but Brilliantly Warm. Um, the founder, she had a preventative mastectomy and she realized her implants made her cold. Imagine that we're also cold, right? And she was like, I want to have bra warmers. And she, like many founders have both, you know, there's little warmers that you put in your bra, whether you have implants or not, but then it's connected to an app so you can control the heat and make it discreet, right? You can wear it at the office, wear it at home, wear it at your kid's soccer game. I think that's a great product and that a man would not have come up with, (laughs) frankly. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And then another great example would be there's a founder, a woman who found it pre-COVID. She was at the office trying to breastfeed and the temperature of the milk, she didn't want to use the office fridge, right? Uh Because people had their lunches or, you know, extra catering was in there. So she's made thermoses that have a cooling device in the bottom of them so it can keep the breast milk uh, cool, but it also can be warmed up. And so... You know, it's the kind of thing that you can keep in your purse or in your desk or frankly, again, at a older kid's soccer game discreetly. And again, it's not something that a male inventor or a male doctors or, or healthcare workers um, or product makers would necessarily make. And so a great, great opportunity for a product for a young mother. 
you know, just just a little inkling of what's co coming to market. And there's hundreds more that are coming to market and are just well thought through manufacturable products that we should relook at because they're inventive and they're they're truly adding value or solving problems that we we've known about for years. <laughs> Those are so cool. And I'm just curious, like, do you have a way to hear any feedback from the buyers of these products or hear through the founders of just like how women are receiving these products that maybe they didn't know that they needed or, or just were never on their radar? Yeah. So there's a few different ways. We certainly through the vendors for sure, but also through our own social media and reach outs to customers. So of course, we're on all the platforms that you can imagine. <laughs> and we take DMs all day, every day. But also, specifically, there's a Facebook group that's a private Facebook group um, with Lee London. And it's really about all kinds of design, specifically prioritizing women. And because it's a private group, people tend to be really honest in a great way and can give their feedbacks when it comes to product and give their feedback. Yeah, everything. But so far, so good. On Lee London's platforms, we've had zero returns. Yeah, so we're pretty happy. <laughs> that is awesome. I mean, that and is so cool. A lot of that so I have cool. to goes to vetting the right products. Yeah. Um, we certainly look at products inside and out, who's who's making it. Ask ourselves two questions, right? Like the first one is, does it save her time? Does it save her wallet? Or does it add value to her life every day? Mm -hmm. And the second one is, is would she recommend this to another woman? So that standard is, okay, <laughs> we want to make sure that she's happy enough that not only is it you know, hitting that status quo or that, that standard, but it's going beyond. So, yep. So what can people do who are listening to this to support this movement and more products designed for women other than, well, I think an obvious one would be kind of like being a consumer and purchasing mm -hmm. one of these products, but mm -hmm. what else can people do? get involved. I, I would say, especially on social media, if you're in the carpool line and waiting <laughs> for your <laughs> kids to get out of school or, you know, at a gymnastics meet, then check out some femtech companies and follow them, like what they have to say, read their articles that they put out. The more support these women have and these inventors and these founders and these startup CEOs, frankly, the more funding they're going to get from investment. And that helps all of us uh, long term, right? They can, they can add more products to market. They can make their existing products better. Showing support, it's very tangible in the sense that they will not only feel supported and, and excited about their audience, but also they can see who's active in their audience and and how their audience may be growing and and report that to future investors which really really it very tangibly helps them yeah, yeah. there you go a productive way to use social media I'm on the carpool line i like that in the carpool line <laughs> I want to wrap up, Valerie, and you gave some really great examples of, you know, some of these new innovative technologies out there. But I'd love to hear like either one or more examples of subcategories in the women's health tech field that 
are kind of showcasing that closing of the relatability gap. Well, I think one of the, no pun intended, hot topics <laughs> is <laughs> sex tech. And, and that's, of course, one of my favorite topics, as I think it is a lot of women, but it's mm-hmm. been a taboo subject for, for many, many, many years. But one of the companies that's kind of leading the sex tech subcategory is a company called Dame. And they noticed on the New York subway that they're Viagra ads, but you're not able to put vibrator ads in the subway. And for that matter, you can't put vibrator ads or women's pleasure toys or sex tech really help in social media at large. And right. and what is you know what does that mean? Like it's it's a sending a very strong message that you know we'll make sure that men are happy with their sex lives, but women, we're not gonna amplify that that message or or empower women to be happy with theirs. And so that is a very strong subcategory of femtech is sex tech. And so if you've had children the past few years and you you wanna, you know, amplify your sex life, search sex tech or come to leelondon.com will tell you all about you know, great sex tech companies um, to look up and, and, and what they mean and what they're trying to do. Earlier this year, well, it's 2022, last year, when Amazon made a lot of these, you know, internal tools that uh, assist with like pelvic floor release, um, mm-hmm. kind of helping with those muscles and categorize mm-hmm. them as sex toys. And, <laughs> and I remember there's just like all this you know, understandably disagreement and kind of rage in the public health world because we were like, why are you categorizing them as that? They literally have a therapeutic use. And first of all, like, it's okay for sex toys to exist, you know, but the other side of the coin is women have reasons to use these tools (laughs) beyond the only sexualized purpose that, you know, men can think of. And it's, I mean, we're talking about like vaginal dilators that help mm-hmm. with pelvic pain. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's interesting to hear. And I, I think I saw on your website, a company that I really love is Onut. Onut basically has these little like kind of donut shaped tools. I don't know. Yeah, tools is a good word. Tools yeah, good maybe. Word. They're, they're silicone though. They're not right. at all hard. Yeah. Right. They're, they're, they're soft, soft and totally fine and safe for your skin, but they essentially create a bumper for penetration. So they go around the penis and then that allows there to be decreased depth of penetration. So it can help with people who are dealing with, you know, deep pain from penetration, which there can be so many reasons for. Another phenomenal female founder. Oh no, it would not have been invented if femtech hadn't, you know, come about and women didn't have this voice. And so- yes. Great example of like, you know, men for many, many years and healthcare and product development just wouldn't have come up with that <laughs> kind of basic solution. Yeah. And and I love that women are, you know, not only seeing the problems, but coming up with solutions and then doing something about it. Like that is huge. A lot of these founders have dealt with these issues. And so they're yeah. passionate about it, you know, and they're like, this needs to change. As a founder myself, um, you know, we're forging ahead. We're certainly forging ahead. Um, any any support is always great for my peers. They're wonderful women. 
every single one of them I speak highly of, they have, like you said, a lot of times it's their own personal story where they saw the challenge, they felt the challenge mm-hmm. um, and realized that they weren't the only one and are making that solution and forging ahead. So trying to change everything for the good. Get flight therapy are excited and just super honored to be on Lee London's website and be a part of this really great thing that you've created. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad the flight is on pelvic, well, pelvic pelvic health in general can be spoken Mm -hmm. about, but flight is on um, the website and we can be partners and and very proud, very proud to, to represent and do what I can. I want to make sure, Valerie, that people know what platforms you all are on, how they can find you, how they can shop through you, and reach some of these really great products. Yes, of course, go to Lee London, that's L-E-E, LondonLikeTheCity.com, to look at all of our products, especially Pelvic Floors Flight. And then also, we're on all all your standards, all your your Instagrams, your Facebooks, um, your TikToks, your Twitters. Uh, Pinterest and LinkedIn, go to Lee London Design for all those platforms and and follow us. Check us out. We're giving all sorts of tips and tricks and stories of how tech and health tech is is changing and needs to change and hopefully entertain and educate the community. Valerie, thank you so much for being on this podcast. It has been such a pleasure. I want to just say one last thing, and that is when I was reading up on you, I had written down something that I saw that you had. I think it was on your website, Lee London, and it said that we offer a platform, a resource, and a voice to bring better smart products in the hands of smart women, and we do it with style and spirit which I love. And I think you have so much style and so much spirit. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Flight by Pelvidol is approved for pelvic floor strengthening and SUI only. All information provided on this podcast is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace medical advice. Always seek out a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have about a medical condition. And if you have a question about flight and its indications for use, please see our website at flighttherapy.com. And that's it. See you next time on the next episode of Pelvic Floor at its Core.